0: All right, go with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Y'all ready for the Word today? Yes. Y'all going to preach back at me? Yes. Oh, come on, dads, you need to get loud today. Is that all right with everybody? The fa- the, like the more you preach back, the faster I go, okay? Then you go get that sleep we're praying about. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 to 20 is where we're going to start as we end today. This is the last installment of our Shadows in the Light series. Show of hands, come on, how many of you have gotten something out of this series? Like, how many of you would say, man, there's some stuff that's shifted in me? So good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 says this, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself. I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained a prom- the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and for them, a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath so that through two unchangeable things in which it's, hear this, this is awesome, it's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope that is set before us. And we have this hope, everybody shout hope. Hope. Everybody shout hope. hope? Hope. Come on, someone shout like they got hope. hope. We have this hope, look, look as an anchor for our soul, firm, And secure, and it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Today as we finish out our series, Shadows in the Light, I want to speak to you from this subject today. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this at the top of your paper, on your phone, iPad, whatever you're writing on today. Write this at the top. The ship that rides the storm. The ship that rides the storm as we look at the hope that we have for our soul, one that is a sure and steadfast anchor. Would you pray with me just one more time today? Father, we thank you for your word. It's alive, it's active, it's powerful, has the ability to transform us from the inside out. God, speak to us right now. We need your word. Your word is the foundation of our lives. It's the only thing we need. So God, give us your word with clarity today. Our, our hearts are ready to receive, our minds are open, our ears are open to hear from you today. Speak to us so profoundly and so deeply today. We love you and we honor you in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. I've been in one boat accident my entire life. It happened when I was very young, and well, really, it wasn't a boat accident, it was more like a jet ski accident where. I was on one jet ski, and my dad and my brother were on another jet ski, and we were getting a little ramb. I was getting a little rambunctious, and uh, I got too close to him. We both hit on the brakes, and uh, before we knew it, his jet ski was hitting my jet ski and coming over the top of us. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. Um, that's the one boating accident I've I've ever been in. Other than that, all of my nautical experiences have been rather positive. But I'm fascinated. Anybody else fascinated by like storms and boats? Like anybody else, like you watch those movies where it, it tells the story of a boat that, that goes out to sea and, and, and it's met by just a raging storm. And unfortunately, most of those movies end with the boat capsizing. Um, so actually not the best of movies on the planet, but I'm still fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by storms. I love, the, I love reading about them. I'm, I'm fascinated by the weather. Uh, I'm always constantly looking at the weather app. I'm always constantly looking at Doppler radar. You can ask my wife that. I'm fascinated, not just what's happening in Utah, but all across the world as, as storms brew. John Calvin says this. He says, Certainly anyone who wants to be a good teacher ought to treat his pupils in such a way as always to encourage rather than discourage them. There is nothing that has a greater effect in alienating us from listening to teaching than to see that we are thought of as hopeless. So my mission today is simple. I want to encourage us. And there's no better way than to do that by looking at the hope that we have for our soul in Jesus. There's no other way to encourage us but to help us understand that the life that we live by faith is a ship that is on the sea and you and I will meet storms. But what we need to understand today and know today is that in the midst of the storm, you and I have an anchor that is sure and steadfast. Come on somebody, and his name is Jesus. That's my encouragement today. My encouragement is to help us understand that your soul and my soul is anchored because of the hope that we have in Christ. Come on, I said you're anchored because of the hope that you have in Christ. No, no, I said that you are anchored because of the hope that you have in Christ. Oh, we're gonna get there sometime this morning. I said you're anchored because of the hope that you have in Christ. And so today, if you walk away and you'd be like, man, that's just a church of encouragement. Good. I hope you leave here encouraged. I hope you leave here ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. Come on, somebody. This section of Hebrews chapter 6 that we're going to examine amongst others is right if we study our Bible today. It's one of the most encouraging and hope-filled sections in Scripture. Now, in reading this chapter, there's a lot of different thoughts and ideas that are being introduced, but one of the greatest themes that we find here is the theme of hope. Write this down if you're taking notes today. Hope is a necessary ingredient for the life of faith. I want to I be so bold as to say that living the life of faith without hope is incredibly difficult to live out. If I'm going to walk this thing out called life... I need not just faith, but hope. Because the Bible tells me that it's my anchor. As the writer of Hebrews would tell us, it's a strong anchor. It's a secure anchor. I don't know how many of you agree with me, but life tends to cause drift. Because the problem that most of us face is that the space we occupy right now is wrought with twists and turns trials and temptations setups and setbacks wins and losses and all of these things tend to diminish the hope that we could and should have anybody been there before but it's not new it's not like we're living in some sort of weird space the reason that the writer of hebrews would pin this in hebrews chapter 6 is actually told to us later In Hebrews chapter 10, watch what they write. Remember the earlier days when after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions, and other times you were companions of those who were treated that way. For you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions, because you know that yourselves have a better and enduring possession." Now listen to verse 35. I want you to think about, like, I have the tiger in the background, right? Like, just, just now listen to what he says. He says, so don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you need endurance, so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what has been promised. Come on, someone shout hope. Someone shout hope. Speaking on the hope that we have in Christ, Paul the Apostle would write this in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Very similar language. This is Hebrews chapter 6. Listen to what he writes. It says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Someone shout amen. My goodness. We've also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast in this hope. It's not just a light hope. It's not just a figurative hope. It's not just a hope that's kind of made up. I get to boast in my hope. Everybody's like, what's wrong with you today? I got hope. Why are you so confident today? I got hope. Why are you feeling like everything's good today? Even though it looks horrible. I got hope. I am boasting in my hope. You and I can boast in it. How many of you have been told we're not allowed to boast? Four of you? The re- We're gonna have to do a whole another series of messages. Come on, how many of you have been told don't boast? It sounds arrogant and cocky. Yes, unless you're boasting about the hope that you have. Why, because you're not boasting in yourself. You're not boasting in stuff and things. You're not boasting in having it all together. I'm boasting in the hope that I have in Christ and that hope is my anchor. Now why, why? It says this, and not only that, boast in your afflictions. All right, now Paul's got some stuff going on right now. He says, we can boast in the, in the glory, in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we can also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. Proven character produces hope. And listen to what our hope does. It does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Carl Spurgeon said it like this, hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the night of adversity. Wow. That's, That's when you and I have a measure of hope in our hearts that we can look forward to the future that is only truly found in God's perfect design, plans, and intentions for our life. Yet for many of us, we find ourselves distracted by circumstance, demoralized by the situations, and therefore losing the great hope that we have. I hope that we're just told in Romans does not disappoint. We just walked through many weeks of teaching concerning our soul. We've looked at the wounds that many of us carry. We've looked at the lies that we believe. We've looked at the words that we use and others use. We've looked at boundaries, offense, and many other issues concerning our soul. Today, Yet in all of the practical truths that we've assessed during the series, and all the things that we can do, of of all the things that we can put into place, can I just tell you today that it all comes full circle back to one person and one person only. His name is Jesus. There's this age-old joke that in in kids' church, that the answer to everything is Jesus. Can I just tell you? The answer to everything is Jesus. I know, I know that, that, that sounds simple. I'm a simple guy. I know we want it to be more complex, don't we? Right. Isn't it weird how th- there's something inside of our human nature that wants everything to be more complex? Do you know when you're down, it's Jesus. Right. When you're up, you need Jesus. Yeah. When the, the circumstance is not what I want, it, I need Jesus. Right. When I'm going into that job for the first time, I need Jesus. When I'm getting married, I need Jesus. When I'm 20 years into my marriage, I need Jesus. When I'm facing loss, I need Jesus. When I'm facing addiction, I need Jesus. When I'm facing the world that I'm in, I need Jesus. Come on, anybody with me? The answer is, come on, so shout Jesus. So the writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is an anchor for our souls. And then they go on to help us understand two very important characteristics of a good anchor. Because nobody wants a bad anchor. Right? Could you imagine seeing some guy on a boat throwing a cardboard anchor over the side? You'd be like, that guy's got an anchor issue. So the writer the wants to make sure that we understand what a good anchor looks like. Here's the first thing that's written, that a good anchor is firm. It's, it's firm. Now, this is an important word, according to the English Lexicon of the New Testament based on systematic domains. It's a book, and I quote: pertaining to being certain and thus completely believable, worthy of being believed, certainly true, completely believable. So, the firm word that's being used here, the word that's used in the Greek, is to help us understand this truth: is that He is trustworthy. It's not firm. That's firm, isn't it? Like how many of you, like I thank God, our worship team thanks God that we had builders who made a firm platform, right? How many of you are thankful when you go onto a bridge that it's firm? How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have been on those bridges that sit in the middle of waterways and they move? Nope, uh-uh, that is of the devil. Um, I like my bridges firm. <laughs> But he's not talking about the issue of being able to carry weight, hold weight. The firmness that the writer is giving us here is that this anchor is trustworthy. How many of you would agree with me that trust is an extremely valuable commodity today? How many of you would agree with me that trust is hard to earn and equally challenging to give away? We live in a culture right now that... Trust is at an all-time low, and I get it. If you study history, if you study culture, if you study society, there's a lot of things over the past maybe 20 to 30 years that have taken place that's eroded a lot of our trust in things. We've lost trust in structures, we've lost trust in people, we've lost trust in governments, we've lost trust in religious institutions, we've lost trust in anything and everything that we've possibly given trust to. How many of you would agree with me that everything has the ability to shift and change? Isn't that a frightening proposition? Like, can I just scare us all for just a second? Right, we'll get back to the good news in just a second. But like, like just think about this in in real time with me. We can walk out of these doors and the minute we walk out these doors, newsflash, they don't even use that anymore, but newsflash. (laughs) You can walk out of here and all of a sudden Twitter's going off and Instagram's going off and Facebook's going off. Come on, all all the, all the books (laughs) telling us the world has just changed. Mm. Isn't that frightening? This just happened. This happened here. This happened here. This happened here. This happened here. And if you're like me, we're living one degree away from everything shifting. So what do I trust? If everything is one degree away from shifting, who do I trust? Oh, I feel the spirit of God right now. Where do I place my trust? (laughs) Who do I place my trust? If you are one degree away from changing in a nanosecond, who do I trust? If I'm one degree from changing in a nanosecond, who who do you trust? Can I just tell us today that there is only one that we trust? There is only one that's been told as a sure and steadfast, firm, trustworthy anchor. Oh, come on, somebody. His name is Jesus. That's the good news. So he's firm means trustworthy. The second thing that the author tells us is that he's secure. Now, the security word that's used is speaking about the firmness and strength. Check this out. That is necessary to bear weight. You and I don't hold our lives up. Come on, how many of you are thankful for this table right now? Because without this table, everything comes spilling out. You don't hold yourself up. He holds you up. He's the only one that has the ability to bear weight. And some of us are walking around our lives right now trying to bear our own weight, thinking that you've got to have everything on your shoulders thinking that you gotta take, take care of everything. Come on, how many of you have been hustling lately? <laughs> and I get it, there, there's lots of things to take care of. I get it, parents, we're trying to, we're trying to shoulder the weight of, the, of these kiddos that we're raising. I get it. It's scary at times. You're trying to shoulder that, that resource, that job. You're trying to shoulder that marriage. Some of us are trying to shoulder things that we don't even know what we're shouldering. Come on, have you ever just made something up to shoulder today? (laughs) I guess I'll take that one on. Some of you are shouldering the weight of somebody else's life as as if their life is dependent upon you. Can Can I just tell you, as pastors, there's often moments where I step into a place where I'm trying to shoulder this church and I can't right. I'm not allowed to why because it's not mine it's good. you you can't shoulder what is not yours in the first place and here's the lie we've believed the lie that we believe is that all of this is ours we believe that our money's ours, our jobs is ours, our marriages are ours, our kids are ours, our relationship is ours. Can I just tell you, it's not yours. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. It's not yours, you are. Oh, you're stewarding it though. But stewards don't shoulder it. Stewards live with open hands. He's the only one that can bear weight. He's the only one that can bear the weight of your life. He is the only one that can bear the weight of that miracle. He's the only one that can bear the weight of your stress. He's the only one that can bear the weight of your fear. He's the only one that can bear the weight of my marriage. We're not, there's couples in here that have been married far longer than Eric and I have, but we've been married for 18 years. And have you ever had those like existential crises sometimes? I'm talking to the married couples today. where like, you're sitting across from each other and you realize how much more time is ahead of you. Come on, can I get an amen in church today? (laughs) Erica's in auditorium too. Love you, baby. Okay. (laughs) I can't wait for the next 20. Um, But it was like that that moment. You you think like, oh my goodness. like We've got 20 more years. 30 30 more years. If God graces us with the ability to keep on going. And if you're not careful, what you can do is you ask this question automatically. How am I going to do that? You ever asked that question before? You're not. You can't. Because you can't bear that type of weight. I do it through my firm foundation. Am I talking to anybody in church today? So I, I love this truth because Jesus talks about this truth. Matthew chapter seven verses twenty four to twenty eight. Listen to what Jesus says. He's going to give a teaching that's going to blow the minds of the people that's, that's listening to him. Listen to what he what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, hear and do. Every shout hear. hear. Every shout do. do. Every shout hear. hear. Do. do. Y'all y'all see the system? Yeah. We just like hearing, and then we're like, what's going on? Well, we didn't get to the doing part. Here do, here do, here do, here do. Therefore, anybody who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You have to say it like that. I feel like that's how Jesus said it. And after he said it, the worship team started singing, the rain fell, rivers rose. The winds blew and it pounded that house. I want you to, what, like, pay attention to these words, okay? It's, it's important. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. <laughs> but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, recognize the words, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. And not only did it collapse, it collapsed with a great crash. I want us to see something here. The difference wasn't in the storm. It's the same storm. The difference wasn't in the wind. He didn't go, well, one house had a category three and the other one got a category four. And so, of course, that one, no, he didn't do that. Same storm, different foundation. Same storm, different reaction to the storm. One stood and one collapsed. What I need us to grab a hold of today is that the storm doesn't expose itself as the storm. The storm exposes the structure and integrity of the foundation you live on. We're all running around trying to figure out what the storm is. You been there? We spend most of our lives examining the storm, not the foundation. We're all frustrated that the storm's hitting, like, I'm in wind today. As if Jesus doesn't know. I got waves today. I've got billows. This is white water rapids over here. And you're so focused on the storm that you fail to realize that if your life is built on the rock, it doesn't matter. Come on, am I talking to anybody in church today? Like it doesn't matter. See, when Jesus taught these things, everyone in verse 28 says that he was, they were astonished because he taught with authority. But it wasn't just the authority that he was teaching with. He was presenting an idea that was very different, very counter to what they were used to. This is the idea he's presenting, that your life cannot be founded upon anything else but him. The scribes and the Pharisees were teaching, if you behave, if you do some things, if you do this and you do that, everything's going to be okay. But Jesus was teaching, no, no, no. no, Just build your life on me. Because the promise isn't that no storms will come. The promise is that storms will come. And that I will be your anchor. I will be your foundation. Y'all see how this plays together. And this is an extremely important teaching within Scripture. Because here's the truth. The product of an anchorless life is a shipwrecked faith. Watched a lot of people over the past couple years who've jumped ship on their faith, and I asked the question, why? Because if I have an anchor, it doesn't matter what comes my way, I stay put. Oh, I may look a little chaotic in the wind and the waves. You ever been there? You ever walked into church before? (laughs) Your storm following you? Your hair's all out of whack? Right, your makeups are just running. That's just the guys. And so, wow. have you have you come in to sanctuary yes. from a storm before? Yes. That's the beautiful place to be in. That's what I love about this house. Is that you can come here with with wind blowing hair, mascara running everywhere, kids. Wearing whatever they're wearing. Someone's like, why, why do you guys serve coffee here? Because you don't know the storm that somebody's coming in from. Right. Right. They may have not gotten to have it this morning, so we're going to give it to you. This is a safe harbor. Storms are going to come. Things are going to happen. And so I think it's vital that we understand in our last little bit together this morning, I think it's vital that we understand some truths concerning Christ as the anchor for our, our souls that I believe will keep us stable and steadfast no matter what we are facing in life and in faith. Does that sound good with everybody? So I want to look at four final thoughts to conclude this series known as Shadows in the Light. Four truths about Christ is, is our anchor. I need you to all shout number one. Here's the first truth. Christ is my anchor in preparation for the storm. Christ is my anchor in preparation for the storm. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says this. Dear friends, don't be surprised. Everybody shout surprised. Yeah. Don't be surprised. Don't be like, what? When the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. I am convinced that there are a lot of Christians running around freaked out because they believe something unusual is happening to them. Instead of being the person that we've been called to be in the midst of the storm because I've got a foundation, I've got an anchor. Someone's like, man, it looks like you're going through some storms. You're able to go, yep, part of the journey, but i got an anchor for my soul. i got a foundation on which I'm standing on. I'm not surprised. Hey. (laughs) Have you ever met the bewildered Christian before? John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You'll have suffering in the world. Thanks, Jesus. (laughs) Be courageous. I've conquered the world. (laughs) The truth is that we need to recognize today is that in our lives we're going to face storms. It's the inevitable part of life and faith. The question we need to ask ourselves is are we prepared for them? Come on, we know this. How many of you go on road trips? Show of hands, where are my road trip people? Like you guys just love road trips. You all have all the weird gadgets in there to make road trips easier, right? <laughs> Trash cans that are like hidden in plain sight. You're the people who, you have napkins, and Kleenex, and toilet paper. Every type of paper for every type of issue. <laughs> Right? You've got water stuffed underneath the seat. You've got tools hidden in some compartment that you've put together. You've, you've got everything. You're prepared for that road trip. And then someone asks why you have this. And you're like, well, you know that one time? I learned. I learned. There's armadillos everywhere. Right? <laughs> you're prepared for every moment. Yet for many of us, we will walk out into this thing called life without my anchor. I just want us to recognize the volatile nature of the world that we live in. You need an anchor. I need an anchor. It should be the first thing that we walk out of the house with. Come, come on. Do, do I, and I? And I know, it's not like we leave Jesus behind. I'm not trying to decompartmentalize our life. I, I'm just trying to encourage some of us today who maybe have not yet said yes to Jesus. You got your toilet paper, your napkins. You need Jesus. Come on, somebody. Like, that's, that's my heart today. All right, number, number two. Everybody say number two. Here's the second thing. Christ is my anchor for stability in the storm. Christ is my anchor for stability in the storm. John chapter 14 verse 27 says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. How does the world give? Gives takes away. Gives takes away. Gives takes away. It's contractual, isn't it? How many of you say you got to earn some of those things in the world that we live in? Right, if you do this, then you can get this. That's what our world's built off. But but he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Now, here's the thing that I want us to hear today. I do not believe that peace is the absence of a storm. I believe that peace is the stability that is offered to me in the midst of a storm. Stability gives me the ability to be a ship, here it is, that rides the storm. That's my hope for us today, church, is that we leave this place with the confidence to be able to say, because of the anchor that I have on my boat, I can be a ship that rides the storm. I spent this past week learning about boats. I'm, I'm nautically challenged. So I had to read all the stories that I possibly could, and I was fascinated by the amount of anchors that certain boats are supposed to keep on board. It's not just one anchor, it's multiple anchors. And this is what's fascinating is that boats that find themselves in seas that are, are ma- like massive seas, they're going to be met with massive storms. They carry multiple anchors and they drop those anchors at different times to create stabilization in the midst of the waves that they are in. Why? Because an anchor creates stability. An anchor doesn't stop the storm. You don't see people on ships just going out there holding their anchors in front of the storm. That's, that's the point. We don't, we don't, we're, we're stabilized because of these anchors. I become a ship that can ride the storm. There have been so many moments in my life, over the past few years especially, where that I realized that without Jesus, I'd have been taken out by the storm. Oh, I wish I could tell you I'm just this great man of faith. I'm not. I'm a great man of hope. There's a difference. Y'all see what I'm talking about? I'm a man that says, I need my anchor. Because without my anchor, oh, I'm drifting, y'all. Is anybody else with me? Anybody else recognize that you might be that person that, without an anchor, these past couple of years would have just obliterated you? Much of the stability that Erica and I have and have been able to maintain in different moments is because of this anchor that we have for our souls. On a daily basis, I gotta be like, "Drop anchor." Some of you you to walk out of here today and just be like, right before you get in your car, just be like. Here we go. Someone shout hope. Christ is my anchor for stability in the storm. Here's the third one. Everybody shout number three. Christ is my anchor for confidence, listen to it, through the storm. Can I just tell somebody today, the storm will not break you. Come oh, on, come on. Let me try this side over here because they're, they're with me. Come on, this side over here, the storm will not break you. Let's try the middle section. Let's see if we can get you guys just, come on. The storm will not break you. Come on. It will break you. This side over here, they've been preaching at me all day long. Come on right here. The the storm will not break you. Okay? you got to understand this. Why am I doing this? Because I'm trying to get words in your head for this stuff. Because how many of you have been like me and in the midst of the storm, you forget that truth? You're like, ah, the storm's going to break me. I want you to remember the cheerleading moment today. Remember that one time in that weird church on Sunday morning where the guy looked at me and was like, the storm's not going to break me. Remember it. And it won't break you if you have the anchor known as Jesus in your life. That doesn't mean that there won't be pain. I'm just saying it won't break you. And So Christ is my anchor for confidence through the storm. Paul the apostle writes it like this in 2 Corinthians 4:16 through to 18. He says, "Therefore, therefore, therefore, we do not give up." Period. I had to find my punctuation. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, Our inner person, my soul, is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Oh, so I don't focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I got confidence in my storm. I got confidence in the midst of this. Why? Because I've got an anchor. I've got a hope. So I told you, we're going to just get you ready for battle. I want you to walk out of here today understanding this stuff. We've done too much work to go back. Come on. Come on. That's good. Oh, come on, someone needs to hear this say, you've come too far. <laughs> you've been fighting that addiction. You've, been go- you've come too far to go back. Come on, have confidence in this storm. Man, how awesome would it be to see some of us walking through our storms with just a little bit of giddy up. <laughs> like what's going on? I just got a storm. Everyone walks but well, That guy's weird. He got a storm? What's going on? I got a storm. How's he acting like that? It's not because of me. I got an anchor. No, oh, I'm freaking out on the inside. But I got an anchor. My outside's perishing. I'm windblown, sunburnt. Come on, the seagulls are just doing their thing. But I got confidence in my storm. Why? Because I've got an anchor for my soul. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus is the OG when it comes to confidence in the storm. On that day when evening had come, he told them, listen to his words, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. Everybody shout other side. Verse 36, so they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. It's a weird sentence. Of course, he was the one that said, let's go. (laughs) And other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking over that boat so that the boat was already being swamped. Verse 38, he was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. Jesus's posture was relative to the promise. One who sleeps in the middle of the storm is confident we're going to get through the storm. Come on. Some of you got to realize that on on the ship of your life, Jesus is asleep on the cushion. And here's the thing, we have nothing helping us understand anything other than this, that if the disciples wouldn't have woken him up, he would have stayed asleep. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus! He's like, what, guys? Don't you see this? Don't you feel this? Don't you know what's going on? No, he was asleep. You don't see, know, or care when you're asleep. So he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, silence, be still. He shouted it, actually. The wind ceased. It's like the wind was like, oh, Dad's here. right? And it ceased. There was a great calm. And then he said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Who does? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Hope gives us the confidence we need to sail through the storm. To be a ship that rides the storm. Last one, I'm going to invite the team up. Christ, number four. Come on, one more time. Last time, every shot. number four. Christ is my anchor for safe harbor after the storm. But safe harbor looks different when you read this story. So Jesus takes his disciples. Remember what the promise was. Let's go to the other side. He didn't tell them why they're going to the other side. He just says, let us go to the other side. They get on. They freak out. He's sleeping. They get through the storm. They get to the harbor. They come to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon, everybody shout immediately. Immediately, immediately as they got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met them. This is the story of the demon-possessed man. And the story goes like this, the way scripture outlines is that he was tormented by this unclean spirit. He would cut himself, he would yell. It was pandemonium and everybody was afraid of him. They would chain him up and he would break the chains with a supernatural strength, so to speak. And so I I want you to think about this. Jesus leads his disciples through a storm to a safe harbor only to get out and be met with a demon-possessed man. Does that not sound like life? <laughs> Come on, can I get an amen in church? You're like, oh, finally, I made. We're here, Jesus, we've arrived, and it's awesome, and it's so great. Look, and it's a beautiful, tranquil harbor, and you get up, and all of a sudden, no. Nah! Don't ditch your anchor just because it feels safe right now. (laughs) And I'm watching people right now who are like, oh, maybe I can ease up on this Jesus thing now. I made it through the storm. Because what many of us do to Jesus is we make him our pacifier, not our anchor. I need my binky For this moment. Wow. We got out of 2020 and 2021. 2022 got a little bit better. 2023, it seems like we're, we're in smooth sailing. Don't ditch your anchor. It's not a warning. It's not an ominous thing to say that more storms are going to come our way. Because it's life. It's, but I want us to thrive in the midst of it but pacifiers don't anchor us, they just soothe us. Anchors anchor us. We don't need pacifier hope, we need anchor hope. The reason that many of us miss our purpose where hope is necessary for it is because the purpose looks like a storm. So today, as we close out this series, I want to encourage us. Can you, can I, can we be the ship that rides the storm? Because I have a sure and steadfast anchor for my soul. And his name is Jesus. Come on in the church, said, amen. Bow your head, close your eyes with me in this moment. Father, we thank you for your word. Some of us in here today need to make a decision. That Jesus would become the hope, the anchor for your soul. We're gonna pray a prayer all together today. We don't wanna leave anybody out, Auditorium One, Auditorium Two. And Maybe today you'd say, man, this is my moment. I need to, see, I need to say yes to this Jesus. I need him in my boat. Make this your prayer today. nothing special in these words but rather the heart from which these words come so if that's you today you're saying man that's me I need to to say yes to Jesus make this your prayer we're going to do it all together today so we don't leave anybody out come on as loud as you can would you repeat these words after me everybody say Jesus I'm giving you everything I'm giving you my past I'm giving you my right now I'm putting my future in your hands save me change me make me new and I declare in this moment I'm going to follow you All the days of my life, thank you for saving me through your grace that I put my faith in. In Jesus' mighty name.